our branches do instill a degree of trust within our member base and certainly external research has also suggested that financial institutions that do have a, a branch presence does make it more trustworthy. I think about 50% of consumers said it does have more more, more trust uh, for them. And again, what I said yesterday is, you know, 75% of consumers say that banks play a really important part in the community. And I don't know how you could do that or play that community role without having a community space available. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of CX Insider. Today we will take you to RBR's Branch Transformation 2021, a two-day banking event that took place last week in London. Branch Transformation is a global event focused on branch design, innovation, customer experience and strategy-driven transformation all within the banking and financial industry. So for those who attended the event, this is a 20-minute long summary of the main highlights. For those who couldn't attend, you will hear some really information-dense insights relevant to your industry. Enjoy the episode and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred channel and join our community on LinkedIn and Instagram. It is the first time the CX Insider team decided to record content in physical events, and as you will hear, I think it turned out great. My colleagues Greg and Alessia interviewed four industry experts and asked them about their viewpoints on the branch of the future. The professionals you will hear are Dominic Hirsch, the Managing Director of RBR, Lynn Pitwood, Head of CX at Newcastle Building Society, Martin Shires, Business Development Manager at Glory and Duncan Cockburn, the CEO of OneBanks. We started off by asking what they thought were the key highlights of the event. I think what I've noticed is almost two schools of thought. Um, obviously, digital is coming through really, really strongly, but there's a school of thought that digital is there to enable that human interaction in branch, which we're really passionate about. But also another school of thought that digital is there to almost replace the human um, interaction that I think is uh, a real shame in a lot of senses. Um, what we've noticed through COVID, obviously, is that digital adoption has absolutely ramped up, but we've also noticed that isolation has, has come into play. You know, people are more isolated than they used to be. They're not interacting with humans because of um, lockdowns. Um, and certainly it's come through our own voice of customer is that people can't wait to come back into branches just to have those face-to-face conversations. I think they've been pushed into a digital channel sometimes because they haven't necessarily wanted to operate in that area, but they've been forced to do so through circumstance. But actually, they want to get back to the old normal, let alone the new normal. And for me, the new normal is not about replacing humans with technology, but it's allowing technology to enhance that human interaction and and make people, you know, make our colleagues um, focus on the right tasks in branch to give um, sort of people that best possible service experience rather than replace that service element. Martin summarised the key trends that were most talked about at the event. If you could look at, I guess, what everybody was talking about two to three years ago when the event was really kind of motoring along um, and it was the push towards digitisation, but the one reinforcing message at the time was how they're seeing kind of the blending of digitisation of processes still within a kind of physical environment, i.e. the branch. Because really, if we make that simple, back in the day, we used to be masters of the appropriate paperwork 
Um, but then now a case of, hey, you can just go to your tablet and sign on there and remove any kind of requirement to slow down the process, really. Contextual delivery of data, for example, to branch staff at the right time um, has also moved on significantly to become a routine, i.e. rock it with your tablet, assist a service, and you've got the customer's kind of CRM information and offers right at your fingertips as well has again become the norm. What I do like to see though, and Alan International kind of put this across last night really well, they said, look guys, um, whilst we see that kind of um, uh, crashing together of branch numbers and redistribution, which is important to notice, not just closure, but redistribution, reformatting, um, kind of got to its peak. Digital, of course, has got to its peak. In the past five years, we saw uh, digital supporting branches. Now we're gonna see for the next five years, branches supporting digital, which still means, even though it's a bit of a kind of turning on its head type of phrase, um, that you're going to have the customer saying, I require all those touch points to be equally capable whenever I want it to be. And one thing they did bring out was emotional intelligence and relevance as a brand is going to be reinforced by what your branch can do. Now, take for example, I mean, some of the trends we're seeing in subscription banking We've seen it on the most basis of kind of cash automation through ATMs, for example. Um, it's gone more and more away from an owned on-premise kind of uh, automation estate, more towards the IADs, the independent ATM deployers, um, and now to the point where, quite frankly, and we invested in this heavily in the past couple of years, where customers, particularly routinely in the middle of Europe, have been going up to retailers just presenting their bank app um, with a barcode that says withdraw or deposit money. Those retailers just simply use their existing barcode pause infrastructure, go boop, and the money is either deposited or withdrawn, just as you're doing your normal daily business. That is pushing as heavily the cash automation really towards extra capacity for banks to say, ah, we can let our customers not only go about their business away from our branches, but it doesn't look like we're shoving them uh, along that kind of route there as well. So a lot more kind of sympathetic um, ability to migrate routine transactions away from branches so they can, and I've emphasized this, return to an advisory um, nature, which is what branches used to be about 20 years ago before we suddenly all started transacting there, you know. Digital supporting branches or branches supporting digital, it's two sides of a coin. And the one term that includes both of these is digital. I think one of the biggest trends is the concept of digital, the concept of hybrid models that embrace both technology and uh, the human interaction. Banks recognising that branch models traditionally aren't commercially viable, but at the same time people do still want that face-to-face -face interaction. So a lot of people are trying to come up with new ways in which you can use technology but still engage people um, and help people on that digital transformation. Um, it's interesting to hear different people's views. There's a lot of different views kicking about um, in the sense of a lot of people still want cash to be king, which I personally don't necessarily think is the case. I think it's important to have choice and I think um, cash will continue to decrease, but it's important to come up with new innovative ways to make sure that it's sustainable for people who want it and sort of driving cash out isn't the right way of doing it. It needs to be consumer driven opposed to bank driven. But yeah, that's a wee synopsis of some of the conversations I've had so far. The very core question for which everyone is trying to find the best answer is, what is the role of the branch? Even pre-pandemic, the role of the branch has been, has been changing, to be honest. Um, 
I think we all know that people use mobile banking, internet banking much more than they did in the past, and people visit the branch less often. So even pre-pandemic, there was a discussion around the role of the branch. And uh, branches were already evolving. Some banks were further ahead with that, others less so. And I think what we've, what we've seen this year is that, that's, that during the pandemic, many branches were closed. They, they've, they've reopened, but they've often reopened in a, in a slightly uh, different form from before. Um, some of the things that they did during lockdown, for example, uh, scheduling of meetings. I think now pretty much um, many, many banks now, if you want to actually speak to somebody in the branch, you actually have to schedule an appointment. And that works actually for both the customer and the bank because it works for the bank because it means they can plan and they know what, who they need. But actually it works the other way as well. It means the customer can actually go to a, to a bank knowing that they will actually speak to somebody and, and, and speak to somebody that knows what they're talking about. Whereas in the past, you could turn up to a branch and you didn't know whether there'd be somebody available, whether they send you away, whether you'd end up speaking to somebody who didn't really have much expertise in the thing you wanted to talk about. So um, there's been a lot of discussion around how, how, the, how branches are evolving, um, the, so the role of the branch and, and how you should run branches. Um, a sub-theme of that has been the, the role of, of the branch within communities because I think we're all aware that there's been a number of bank closures and, and that's given banks, to be honest, some quite negative press over the, well, over the past decade, but particularly over the past two years. But I think banks, banks are, are committed to their communities. It's just that it's, it's very hard for a bank to justify running a branch if they're not getting the traffic. So I think what banks are doing, they're closing some branches, and I think that's inevitable. But what they're trying to do with their remaining branches is to, to make them proper community um, centers um, where you can come in and, and deal with a whole variety of sort of banking and other, other needs that you might have. So, so I think that role of the branch is probably the single overarching theme that we're seeing. Uh, maybe if I could pick one sub-theme as well, that would be video banking. It's, uh, it's something a number of the banks have talked about in, in, dif in different forms. And that really picks up on the whole remote working thing where, where you know, we I sort of referred to that earlier, which is that, that the customer is, is, is much more used to and accepting now of, of the idea of dealing with people over video. And that, again, it does allow, it does allow customers to speak to an expert, often 24-7, about whatever it is they want to talk about. And that was something which you just couldn't do before. You, you certainly couldn't do it 24-7, but even, even in regular banking hours, you wouldn't necessarily be able to do that. So, so I think not all banks are there yet, but that we, we've at this conference already heard of a number of case studies of banks that are, have really rolled out um, good quality video banking solutions. And I think we'll see more of that over the next two or three years. Many people agree that branches should play a more engaging role within local communities. We know that our branches do instill a degree of trust within um, our member base and certainly external research has also suggested that um, financial institutions that do have a, a branch presence does make it, the, it more trustworthy. I think about 50% of consumers said it does have more, more, more trust uh, for them. And again, what I said yesterday is you know, 75% of consumers say that banks play a really important part in the community and I don't know how you could do that or play that community role without having a community space available. Um, certainly what we're doing with our branch network is encouraging the community to use it for multiple um, reasons, to come in and use our community spaces that they can use free of charge and really get involved um, with, with our colleagues. It just gives our colleagues an opportunity to, to become part of the fabric of, of the area in which they serve and get to know people as people. Um, Certainly some of the research that we've done with our purely digital accounts, 
Um, why do people take those accounts out? Well, because we have branches, they know where their money is. and. It's almost a case of if anything went wrong digitally, I know I could walk into a branch at any moment in time and have a conversation with a human being who would be able to help me. Um, and I think that's still really, really important and valuable. So I, it comes back to the fact that digital, to me, cannot totally replace that human interaction and that, that need to have face-to-face conversation with someone. Another major topic of discussions at this year's branch transformation was the concept of open banking. If we were to give you snippets of our conversations with many of our tier one banking customers around the world, um, and we are talking about, okay guys, how can we get you to a, a model which is more profit and loss orientated in terms of investment for cash infrastructure? How do we still give you a way that says that when your customers are doing something offsite, again, for example, in a retailer, or as you say, Greg, white label branching, where I guess the, the more longer term is shared branching, which of course they've done in the US for many, many years, particularly in the community banking side, which actually if we think about it, guys, is what we all used to do 20 years ago. You could walk into a NatWest and say, hi, I'm a Royal Bank customer, but I just want to cash my check here. And in a way, they would use a clearing system and say, yep, you're authorised, you've got your check guarantee card, would pay money out to you. Now, it's not as slick in those days, But we're still seeking that ability, I guess, as consumers to say, okay, you can go anywhere to do your transacting. Now, I guess to be honest, if we think about it, though, the ability to influence your customers and remain loyal to your brand, then getting distilled down to authentication and pre-staging on your mobile app is one way to make it work. But you're still faced with an ability that says, okay, if customers are underserved um, or maybe not deserted if you like, but where the profit and loss of the major tier ones struggle to operate in particular towns and villages and cities, particularly as COVID has accelerated that kind of downturn and footfall and has made them kind of have to think hard about where they're going to redistribute to. That vacuum has allowed, I guess, there's one useful phrase I've heard at the conference so far, that the um, value of the branches that remains shoots up by the speed at which all the other branches are closed. You know, um, so really that last man in town, that kind of ability to say, well, guys, you can either be a white label branching, which our one bank's investment seeks to do, where one banks have started to open their share branching concept, where they say, listen, we've got the ability through open banking to say to customers, you can come and register with us in the local co-op. We've got a bank branch built inside those kind of routine kind of community shops, um, and you can do your normal transacting banking. And next stage will then be to take it to the point where why don't you white labelize, if that's the right kind of word there, advisory banking. Um, I know that one bank, I think, in the next stage to go beyond transaction banking is to say, well, if the customer comes in and says, well, I am a Barclays and NatWest, a Royal Bank customer, I don't have a branch here. I'd like to use the branch experience you guys have got, but now I'd like to take it one step further where I'd like to speak to my banker, thank you very much. That triage point that one banks and their uh, open banking platform can then kind of enable means that that lost connection or that commoditization just through the app then goes right back to the point where they can immediately connect with their bank, perhaps through a video call, again, in a kind of white label room. But the orchestration of that, though, needs kind of work because everybody imagines, woo, we just go up and we connect and need something, for example, like ACF's kind of long-term platform and all of the kind of modularity you've got there, guys. 
particularly around skill routing, um, particularly around kind of that connection that says that you can determine what everybody's diary is from a member of staff who's in a call centre, a video call centre, to then suddenly come into that shared branching environment, that's where you guys come in. And that's a really big missing part of it. I must admit, from my standpoint, if I imagine layering the one bank's concept of, hey, everybody come in, all banks welcome, all customers welcome. As soon as that customer says, well, wow, I've done my transacting, now I'd just like to chat to my bank about the fact that I've got £10,000. And genuinely, people do have £10,000 sitting in their account and they want to do something with it. What do they do? They're then going to go run away and sit in a corner and speak to their bank on the phone or whatever it might be. But why not just say, it's okay, guys, on our same app, we can orchestrate you speaking to the right person, the right person at any one time who's your personal banker in your brand. And off we go. You guys have done wonders with Boots, for example, and it's a model I've admired for many, many years where you've not only just kind of uh, put together the right kind of scheduling of appointments for the appropriate inoculation, etc., but you've still rooted that. And that, to be honest, I think now is missing where that kind of intermediary setup where banks are happy to push away a lot of their transacting, that now needs control so that that um, interaction can be brought back into a much more precise uh, kind of model. One thing I would just say, and again, Allen International last night, some great phraseology they had there. They said that if they could imagine the best branches they've done and they want to pull together all of those experiences, the one thing they've condensed it into is, can you imagine walking into a branch not too dissimilar to what we've seen in many banks, for example, over the years, kind of taking those design cues, where on both sides you've got what appears to be like a huge iPhone screen. But it says the app experience, which we all like to do, we go in and we press in and it remembers who we are, and it kind of comes back with our preferences on displaying data. It says, can you imagine going to a branch now, where instead of being triaged at the front desk, that as you wander in, um, your phone obviously signals that it's you, and your personal banker comes to talk to you. Your personal banker who is perfectly aligned to you because they are authorized, compliance-wise, skill-wise, for everything which is ready in your banking app that says that's the product you need to talk about. That's kind of seamless um, branch banking, basically, on an advisory basis. And, of course, what's the engine that's needed to be uh, used for that? Well, you know, guys, it's yours. Anyway, I'm a big fan, obviously. You can tell of that but it's a critical piece of engineering that really needs to connect what we do between bridging digital world, physical world, and the aspirations we have to say emotional intelligence and a branch network that can run that way is really going to deliver market share in the next five to 10 years. Listen to Duncan, the CEO of Open Banks, and his perspective on open banking. In the next 25 years, I'll look back and I think open banking will be the, the most revolutionary moment in banking. Um, in my in my time for sure I think it completely transforms the way that people interact with the bank it complete, it opens up a completely new realm of opportunity such that a third party can be that interface of the consumer with the banks and sitting behind and enabling that enables competition which is ultimately why open banking was introduced and it enables new ways and better ways for people to engage however wherever and whenever that the consumer wants it doesn't need to be in a branch it can be it can be in a supermarket, it can be in a train station, it can be in a convenience store over the counter. There's loads of different ways that this can be deployed and open banking with open APIs enables that flexible deployment um, such that 
new experiences can be delivered at speed, catered to the bespoke needs of the community, opposed to always having to be in a specific location. So traditionally banks, as we all know, have been vertically integrated business models. And I think open banking op uh, opens up a new um, realm of opportunity such that they can embrace new ways of servicing customers, which helps the customers more and also um, can potentially save them costs if they're to embrace it. The UK is very advanced when it comes to open banking with the, the Open Banking Implementation Entity. They've really helped UK be at the centre of open banking, trialling the implementation and then other countries can actually learn from the UK's experiences. Um, so the deployment of open banking and the one bank's model can certainly be deployed all over the world and I'm excited about how that can develop. I think there's countries like Australia where bank, bank, uh, branch rationalisation is particularly um, it's a key topic right now. Branches are looking to rationalise but there's still consumers that need that physical touch point and they need that physical presence to go to which is why this model is particularly important there. I think in Europe um, there's five times more branches per person in Europe than there is in the UK. So I think over time, as people continue to move digital and there's less footfall in branches, I think um, this model will become more attractive in Europe as well, um, in different shapes and sizes. But certainly open banking will continue to gain traction globally. And I do believe this is a great deployment of open banking such that you can, the banks can benefit from it, from the billions of pounds that they spent actually enabling it. Uh, and it can also ensure that it's there for everybody um, that's one of the reasons I started OneBanks actually, was to try to make sure that open banking and the benefits of open banking can be embraced by not just those who are already digitally savvy, that you've got people there who can help people get signed up to online banking and therefore benefit from the form open banking. Um, and I'll put that into context, 10% of our customers never had open ba uh, online banking before using OneBanks, but now they've signed up to online banking and they've also signed up to, one ba uh, to open banking. So they've gone from one end of the spectrum to the other which I think is a fantastic way of engaging people with these new digital technologies to make sure that everybody's part of the digital evolution. I hope you enjoyed the episode and uh, you found the content useful. If you did, I hope it motivated you to come meet us at next year's Branch Transformation. And don't forget to join our communities on LinkedIn and Instagram. Merry Christmas and I will see you next year.